and welcome to The Fandom Show, the podcast where we learn about fantastic fandoms by talking to our favorites about their favorites. I'm Stephanie Malik, And I am Kaya Green. And today we are talking about a game that features such epic things as dragons and ages and smooching. Uh, Origins. Talking- <laughs> Origins. Inquisitions. Twos. <laughs> <laughs> today we are talking about Dragon Age, the Bioware franchise. Uh, set in the uh, amazing world of Thetis. Uh, It spans games, it spans movies, like mini-movies, comics, you name it. Dragon Age has probably made an attempt into that world. Yeah, it's a whole heckin' universe. Um, And today, our special guests uh, who are going to talk about this are us! We're special! (laughs) We're special. No, this is is one of my fandoms. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about it. A little nervous to talk about it because... Uh, my general approach to fandom is typically very emotion-based. It's very excitable. It's very feelings. Uh, it's not detailed. So to get ready for this episode, I had to do a little bit of uh, digging back into uh, some of the stuff that I have to just refresh my memory about the the more important story plots. Yeah, this is one of those universes that has like deep lore, and not yeah, to say deep that roads. Oh, that's a dragon age yeah. thing. Yeah, <laughs> you may not get get that reference, but if you do, ah, um, yeah, no, it's it's got so much because it has just like so many different cultures that have been thought through so deeply and like it's impossible to touch on all of the elements that are interesting to talk about so we'll do our best um but we have fun little cheat sheets make sure there aren't any good and special people we forget and we will still forget we'll still forget people (laughs) but that's okay um kaya uh you are newer into the realm of dragon age what do you know and feel about this franchise all right well um sort of my my origin story on this is uh there were uh, a couple years ago i started dating this uh wonderful person named Steph. Um, And she was a huge fan of Dragon Age, so much so that hanging in her now our apartment is just a a bunch of little flags on a string of different uh, factions from Dragon Age. Um, So when we started hanging out, uh, you insisted that I play it, not the last one that I had heard so many good things about, but right from the beginning of the series. Um, So I went back and I played from Origins into 2 into Inquisition. I did not play a lot of these sort of smaller in-between games, but I have played all the way through. Um, And yeah, I find it to be such an interesting world because as a fan of fantasy in general, I find this uh, world does such a good job of getting into the sort of like nitty gritty politics in a way that I think a lot of people accredit to things like Game of Thrones, but I see in other fantasy worlds um, being done really effectively. And this one though, obviously in the game, you're mostly doing the hitting things with swords or light part of things. There's so many little interesting political decisions and like ideas of what freedom means and what power means and so on and so forth that I think are really eloquently sort of expressed in this this series. Also, I like hitting things with swords and blowing things up. <laughs> uh, what about you, Steph? What sort of like uh, got got you into this uh, um, world? Uh, so uh, I started with Origins uh, back when it not necessarily first came out, um, but uh, someone I was dating at the time played it and was like, I think you'd like this. You like Lord of the Rings. Here, give this a try. It's elves and dwarves. And that person wasn't me. It was not you. No, that would be a really circular tale here. Can you imagine? Very confusing. <laughs> uh, Multiverses. Uh, yeah, so I started playing it uh, and got instantly hooked. It was the first game I ever got to play. I've played a lot of RPGs over the years. Uh, a lot of random video games, but this was the first one where I got to design my character and feel really 
drawn into the world. So I got to, I mean, Dragon Age, say what you will about the graphics at the time and the hairstyles uh, that you can pick from. But Hair is always the problem. Hair is, in, in any video game, hair is almost always the bad part. And bless them. I'm sure that they did the best with the technology available at the time. Hair is hard, man. Hair is hard. I get it. I have trouble with my own in real life. I think so. Pixar's developed like whole engines just to handle hair. I believe it. I mean, turning red. Wowie, wowie. Beautiful I mean, back fur. to Monsters, Inc. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I got to design a character that looked like me. Uh, and the character didn't have uh, too much of a character voice. Like you heard it in the fighting scenes, but you got to really create this uh, Grey Warden for yourself. Uh, and that transported me into the game in such a way that I had never experienced before. I felt like it was my story and I really got a chance to develop a world and uh, relationships uh, based on uh, myself and my wants and my needs and my uh, desires. So that's kind of how I got into it. And as soon as I got <laughs> Dragon Age, well, I know we'll talk about this, but the companion aspect of it, I think is also a really huge thing that sucked me into the world and that you had these party members that came in and out of your party that you got to interact with and develop these amazing relationships with. And some of them are funny and some of them are sad and some of them are romantic. Um, but for me, it was such a great entry point into this universe in a way that I had never discovered and really haven't seen in another game since. I'm sure there are many, but they haven't connected with me right. like Dragon Age did. Yeah, I mean, it, it does sort of seem like when you describe it that way, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you look like the Lord of the Rings. Now imagine if you could personalize that experience for yourself and like you are a part of that world. Your relationships are yours and only yours and you get to sort of craft them through your decision making and through what you think is right and wrong. Yeah, and to have that permeate not only through the first game, but then through the, the sequel so that decisions that you have made in that first game you don't necessarily know the implications of them in world, but you find out two games later, 2.5 games later, and you're like, oh my gosh, the thing that I decided, it, it, this is the impact it's had on the entire universe and this entire playable world. So uh, I, it's just very exciting to me. Ah, that's so interesting because it really does speak to like what makes video games unique <laughs> because like say what you want. I love movies. I love TV. I love books. But like most of the time, those don't like slot you into the experience. But that it seems like uh, Bioware is very aware of how the choice based mechanisms really can like get you into the world of a game. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, when I talk about how I like Dragon Age, are like, oh, well, do you like the Witcher uh, series? And I tried to play the Witcher, but I didn't connect to it because I don't want to play as a big hulking badass guy yeah, running wanna... around fighting monsters. Like that doesn't feel like a compelling story to me. I've seen that story played out and obviously um, there are intricacies within and, and different stories and characters. Yeah, within. sure. No shade on the Witcher. No we shade on the Witcher, Witcher episode. Absolutely. <laughs> but it didn't connect with me because who is this person to me? Like, why do I care what happens to uh, whatever Riviera guy? I, I know Geralt. his name. Geralt. Yeah. <laughs> like Geralt. Um, yes, Geralt. The Le Witcher. Le Witcher. Uh, yeah, so I just didn't connect in the same way uh, with a lot of other action RPG-based games in the way that Dragon Age sucked me in. All right, cool. Okay, so for, for people who have not seen uh, or played through Dragon Age, let's kind of go through the story. It's oh, hard because it's, it's three so games. Big. So we're going to try and macro this out. Uh, so sorry if there's like key plot points you feel like we're missing, but I, I remember in the Lord of the Rings episode, I tried to describe all three films and then I got halfway through the third one and was like what am I even saying he's got so, the guy with the fire on his head great so ba basically how do we go through this basically okay uh, I will also say there will likely be some spoilers in here uh, I'm gonna try to keep them minimal or maybe keep them directly to the hot takes but I will give a very 
broad strokes overview of Origins, I think, is the best place to start. Yeah. Because uh, it's the first game. You know, it's the Origins. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Steph, you're doing great. So uh, in Origins, you are... Um, you can start with a variety of different beginnings. So you can start as an elf, you can start as a dwarf, you can start as a human, and there's human-like nobles, and I think there's uh, the opportunity to start as like a human peasant. Either way, where whatever race you pick and background you pick uh, dictates where you start the story. Uh, and you learn about your own character's backstory a bit, and then you are visited in whatever place you are by Duncan, who is a Grey Warden. And what Grey Wardens are, are there these... Um, almost mythical heroes from the past who can fight the dark spawn and uh, fight against what is called a blight. A blight is, uh, there's an archdemon who uh, is kind of overlord of all the baddies. And when they come back into the world, it starts a blight um, where all these baddies are come and try to take over the yeah, world. A basically. bunch of orc-like kind of things. Yeah, yeah. your traditional baddie-looking bad boys. Yeah, this this series from a visual perspective borrows a lot from things like Lord of the Rings, yeah. as do so many fantasy yeah. things. Yeah, so uh, in this world, um, you then get recruited to try to do the joining, uh, which is essentially you drink a little bit of darkspawn blood. If it doesn't kill you, um, then you become a Grey Warden and you are tapped into the Archdemon and into this sort of like, you're in their brains a little bit. You see what they see. You kind of get a behind the scenes and you then have been imbued with the power to kill them without being killed. Which might I add, terrific membership system. If like my local gym had done that, I would go more. You would go if you had to almost die to become part of it? Well, because I mean, at that point, it's got to be worth it, right? Well, hopefully. It depends on how you feel about it. Uh, uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, Surprise, surprise, you don't die in the joining. That would be a terrible game. Short game. Short game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that kind of kicks off in, uh, and this is not really spoilers because it's the opening of the game, but essentially now you're a Grey Warden. Hooray, you and Duncan and this other recruit, Alistair, um, are going on these quests, and you're at a big fight at Ostagar with King Kaelin. Kaelin is the ruler of the land, and he's like, we're going to fight these Darkspawn because I want to be a mythical hero. I want to be the king that they sing about in songs. Uh, so he's coming up against this fight, and you're set on this little side quest to, like, light a beacon to let this other army know that it's time to come in. You light the beacon. Guess what? The other army doesn't come in because Loghain, who's leading them, is like, ha-ha, King Kaelin, I don't like you, so I'm going to let you die and try to take over. Uh, that is the brief overview of how the game starts. So you, as a Grey Warden now, not only are trying to deal with who's going to get to rule Ferelden um, because King Kaelin's dead, because um, he got killed when Logan left. Uh, who's going to rule Ferelden, but also you have to deal with this blight. You have to deal with these darkspawn. You have to stop them and then essentially put in whoever's going to rule. Right. So most of the game is you kind of uh, going to different places, trying to uh, create alliances with things like the dwarves, the elves, the humans, um, and trying to get people on your side so you can effectively fight this blight. Exactly. Because although you are a Grey Warden and you have kind of the inner tapped, the, you get the little sneak peek into their brains, um, you can only do so much on your own, uh, whether you are a human or an elf or whatever your background is. Yeah. Um, okay. So some of the companions, just because we won't get into the whole story, because you got to play the game. You got to play um, the game. And this is just origin. So yes. in two, you are, you go from Ferelden. However, that ends. I, we won't talk about that till a little bit later, uh, because it is also dependent on what you choose, which is very exciting. But Dragon Age 2 is set in the city of Kirkwall. So it goes from this massive... You're all around Ferelden. You're inter. You're going into the different lands, and now you're in a city, and a city that has been um, 
collecting refugees from Ferelden after the blight and after all the stuff has happened. So you are a refugee hawk coming into the town of Kirkwall. So in this particular game, you don't play a character you make yourself. Is that correct? No, you play either boy hawk or girl hawk. Oh, the options. The options. <laughs> wow. You can change their hair color. Oh. Uh, very exciting. Fabulous. Um, I yes. gave them a big beard. So you go into uh, a smaller version and you're kind of dealing with the inner city politics. You're dealing a lot with mages versus Templars, which is a big overarching plot of this series. Um, and then Dragon Age Inquisition is there's a big moment at the beginning of it. Again, I don't want to get into too much spoilers until hot takes. Big event happens at the beginning and rips a hole into the sky that allows Darkspawn to come through. And you are tasked with creating an Inquisition to figure out how this happened, to save, uh, to put someone in as the leader of the Chantry, which is the religion. I'm getting way too detailed. But yeah, ultimately, <laughs> you're part of an Inquisition. You got to save the world again. But you are also a different character in that one. Yeah, Dragon Age Inquisition sort of follows more of the first uh, game's sort of format in that you you choose your race, you choose your class, uh, you choose all the details you can, like, the character creation is pretty detailed in that particular one. And then once again, you are in a position where you and your various allies and companions are tasked with finding various allies in trying to fix this big world-ending blank. Exactly. Um, so it, it follows the same sort of idea, but it expands on it in that the technology is better, uh, the environments are better, and man, is there like no end of things to do in Dragons in Dragon Age Inquisition? Absolutely, like, that the game amount of is side huge. quests and like, oh, it's like 120 hours. Yeah, the hinterlands alone is like 60 hours of the game. I still remember playing Dragon Age Inquisition the first time, and I was about 10 hours in, um, and I was having a grand old time fighting baddies, doing stuff, and then a crazy thing happens to my encampment where all my people are and I'm like whoa this is wild um, and then uh, we we get to like this new place that's going to be our new encampment and it's like this big castle and I'm like wow this is crazy and then the title comes, <laughs> up, comes up and I was like I'm sorry what and it turns out was I was playing up. the fucking cold open of this game <laughs> for like up. 12 hours before the title even started oh. at which point I went oh I understand I'm going to be here a while I I can get why people see Dragon Age and are like, I just can't with this. It's big. It's huge. It's, it's a big, 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 big world. And it asks a lot of you in terms of your time uh, and your investment in their lore and their world creation. Yeah, but if, uh, of course, if you are a fantasy person who wants that stuff, like if you watched Game of Thrones and you were like, tell me more, I want to know all of the houses, I want to know all of their interplay, why the wall, you know, all of that stuff, then that's the kind of like, I think it really appeals to fantasy fans who really yeah. want to do that uh, That deep dive. Yeah. That said, you can play the games without that. Absolutely. Tell me how many codexes I read. N almost none. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it gives you lots of options. Yeah. I think all three of the games give you a lot of options with how much or little you want to engage with it. If you just want to hit shit, get in there and hit some Absolutely. Shit. And you can just hit shit. Like, th that's the beauty of this game is you can get as deep or as surface level as you want. Okay. So let's talk companions because uh. I know for you... <laughs> I know for you a big appeal of this game, and I think for a lot of people the appeal of Bioware's games, like when I hear people talk about Mass Effect, for instance, is always like the characters you spend time with. You have your own kind of like cast yes. that you get to hang out with and interact with, and like they have a, um, a mechanic in all of the games where you get people either on your side or you piss them off. So with every decision you make, every conversation you have, you have the option to kind of either agree with these characters or disagree with them, right? Yeah, and the choices you make, um, even if it's not directly in conversation with any of them, the choices you make, depending on the characters that you're around, will have deep impacts on them. So if you choose a certain 
uh, directional path that has you siding with, say, the mages, then any Templars you know that happen to be around are going to be like, I'm pissed at you now. Yeah, And now exactly. you have to try to win them back over because yeah. they are upset at your overall choice. There's a lot of, like, sort of consequences that sort of, like, trickle their way through the game. Yeah. So there is no way on earth we can talk about every single one of these companions. So I vote we just sort of go game by game and do favorites. Does that sound fair? Oh, it's so hard. Yeah, yes. I know. Okay. I'm okay. challenging you. Okay. So Origins, Steph, what are some of your favorite characters from Origins? Favorite characters from Origins. Um, uh, I, Alistair uh, is the greatest companion, in my opinion. I enjoy In all the games? Uh, it, I'm... <laughs> mm, yes, to me. To me, Alistair is my favorite uh, in all the games. And he's only a companion in the first game. Um, but he is your wisecracking sidekick, self-effacing... Um, could be king, doesn't want to be king. Uh, what do you do with him? He's always cracking wise, but inside he's got a heart of gold. Yeah, he's kind of like Aragorn if funny. Aragorn if, yeah, exactly. Uh, Aragorn if he and, I guess, Xander went before he was annoying, uh, got together. Uh, that's Alistair, and he's very charming and very fun and very silly uh, and just brings some nice levity to uh, your party. Okay, who else in who else in Origins were you a fan of? Because I liked Alistair, too. He was in my party the whole time. Yeah, I just want to hear him talk forever. Yeah. Uh, also voiced by Steve Valentine, if uh, you care about voice actors. Uh, lovely, lovely character. Uh, Morgan is also a very important character and appears throughout the, the series and the franchise. Morgan is a witch of the wilds. Her mom is kind of the big baddie witch of the open lands, the free marshes. And um, Morgan's her daughter and is an apostate mage. And apostates in this world, so uh, in Dragon Age, we're getting back into the world state, um, mages are a thing to be feared. Uh, mages have a lot of power. They're connected to this thing called the Fade, uh, and essentially they can very easily be corrupted and taken over by demons who live in the Fade. So people in this world freaked out by mages. So uh, if you are a known mage, they put you into this thing called the Circle of Magi, which is the the religion's magi. magi, the religion's way of controlling magic users. Uh, and if you're not part of that and you're just a mage on your own, you're considered an apostate. You are considered dangerous. You're, uh, you're not willing to have people control your magic and therefore you are a potential threat. Yeah, think of it, this is kind of like that uh, X-Men uh, registration thing, Marvel registration yeah. thing of like, is it a, it, should they be registered? Uh, they're kind of powerful ticking time bombs. And this is like a central question to a lot of the, the games. Yeah, and not only that, um, there's an area within the world of Dragon Age called the Tevinter Imperium that is run by magic users but they also think like slavery's cool and stuff. So magic in this world is, uh, we're not sure how we feel about yeah, it. Yeah, and, and we'll get around to that, I think, yeah. a little bit more. So Morgan is uh, a sassy, uh, bad girl, apostate mage who's on your party. And just, again, the really dry, sarcastic, uh, loves making fun of Alistair um, and plays a very key role in the entire series. She appears in every game. Uh, in some capacity or another. Same with Alistair, depending on your world state. He appears in most of the games because uh, he's your main guy. And then my third favorite, this is a DLC character. If you decide to play this, get the Stone Prisoner DLC. The reason why is you will get Shale. Shale is a golem, uh, a female golem who just uh, is such a fun, silly character, uh, was turned into a goal, uh, is a hum uh, dwarf that gets trapped in a golem, sacrifices themselves to become a golem so they could fight in one of the battles, uh, controlled by a magic rod. The rod goes missing, golem gets trapped. 
you free the golem. The golem's on your team, and she hates birds. Just hates <laughs> Just birds. Just hates birds. And See why does she hate birds stuff? Because she was stuck as a golem, at basically a statue. So these birds would come and sit on her all the time and just, like, poop on her and annoy her, and she couldn't do anything about it. So as soon as she gets sentience again, she's just on a mission to take out all the birds in the world. Fucking hates birds. Which I love. Um, how about you? Do you have any uh, any honorable mentions that I haven't? Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the interesting things about this game for me is that you really do kind of get to adjust who's in your party. Like, all of these characters, and, like, there's so many we're, we're not going to be able to mention, um, are available to you, but then you kind of choose who, who's going to follow you around. Everywhere. I mean, we can hot name them. We can. There's a dog, which is a Mabari hound. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I think there's, there's lots of interesting characters, but I, I think for me, the ones that were always the most interesting for me ended up in my party. Yeah. So like Morrigan stayed in my party the whole time. Alistair stayed in my party ho- the whole time. Shale went in and out, um, but I really did like Shale. Shale's a like very funny character. Once in a while I had Zevran in there. Zevran's like a, a sort of a swarthy rogue. Um, rogue and type. Even Crow. Yeah, he used to be a like, assassin um, and he was sent to kill you and it turns out he uh, took up that contract because he wanted to go on a suicide mission and then you don't kill him and he becomes part of your party and he is the one I romanced um, we can't, we, there's a we'll talk about Steph that. disagrees with we'll this talk about no it no let's talk about it now okay um so fun fact about Steph Malik if you uh play Dragon Age the first question I will ask you is who did you romance and I will probably judge you slightly based on your choice yep. so Zevran is just a bit of a He's a bit uh, promiscuous. He'll flirt with anyone. I do not see why you have a problem with this. I, I just think that I can't trust him. He's flirts with everyone. He's very, very sexually adventurous. And I want someone who's going to stick around for the long run. Okay, but counterpoint, counterpoint mm. is A, promiscuity does not mean that you are not trustworthy. That's true. Um, That's true. That is, that I'm is, not slut-shaming. That I is some sex-positive stuff there. Um, and also, I will counterpoint that in Dragon Age 2, when you do see Zevran again, spoil alert, sorry about that, um, he won't sleep with your character because he is already, uh, if you romanced him in the first game, he is loyal to you. That's true. And that is so a, there. That is a nice thing about this ha! series. That's a lovely thing about this series. He's is that my loyal boyfriend. They remember you and make references to your other characters later in the game. So in my game, I romanced Alistair. Uh, bet you couldn't guess that uh, based <laughs> on my descriptions. But uh, yeah, later on, he's just like, he talks about how he thinks about the hero Ferelden all the time, and he's going off to try to find me. It's wonderful. Didn't you, like, play the game twice? I played it. So just, be, just to get absolutely. a happy ending with Alistair? Yes. So <laughs> there's, a, there's a key game moment in the first game um, where it's a big decision moment, and depending on what you pick in this scene, there's, like, two decisions you have to make in this one scene, and it will greatly change the ending of the game. So uh, I always... In any fantasy game, I'm going to be playing an elf rogue of some sort. It's just a given. I'm always an elf. I'm always going to be like a hunter or something. Uh, but in this world, elves are, um, how do I start? Elves are, a, unlike typical fantasy where elves are kind of the fancy ones, the rich ones, the like ethereal ones. I believe the technical term is fancy boys. They're fancy boys. In this world, elves are shunned. Elves are, there's two different types. There's the Dalish elves who are, like a roving nomadic uh, group of people that kind of can't stay anywhere because people don't like them. Yeah, they're essentially refugees. They're essentially refugees. And then there's the city elves who live in alienages. They're the the poorest parts of cities uh, and usually end up working as slaves. Yeah, they're ghettoized in a big way. Yeah. yeah. So um, I played as an elf 
And then you're coming to, spoiler, 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 fast forward 40 seconds if you don't want to hear this. Um, I try, I romanced Alistair, but he ended up in the first game I played becoming king and the king couldn't have an elvish partner. So he broke up with me. Absolutely not. Rewind. Try it again. Um, so you played the whole game? I did. As a human, I assume. I did. I replayed the entire game as oh a my human. God. So I finished my game, played it again, just so I could get the happy ending with Alistair, where fast forward again, um, we went off to be Grey Wardens together. Oh, God. If you fast forwarded the first one, you probably got to the second spoiler. Whatever. Um, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Are there any other, like, I, I would shout out Wynne, even though I don't find her that interesting as a character, but I did have her in my party because I liked getting heals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Morgan is uh, more of a shapeshifter. She's more of a dark magic uh, yeah. user. Wynn is your, magic. your white magic, your healer. Uh, and she they works don't in like the each circle other. tower. Uh, another honorable mention, Leliana, uh, who is a bard, who is a rogue. Uh, she's part of the chantry. She works for them, the big religion in the world. Uh, and she is an important figure that comes back later and later. I didn't particularly care for her in Origins, nah. I didn't play with her at all. Yeah, I found her kind of like. I don't want to say whiny. She's but, whiny. Okay, then maybe I want to say she's whiny. whiny. She's whiny. <laughs> I don't uh, know. She. I just didn't. I just didn't. The order deal was. Yeah, I didn't yeah. connect with her. Uh, and you can play Song of Leliana, which is some DLC to get a bit more information on her. It didn't make me care more about that character, but maybe it will make you care more about that character. Maybe. Um, okay, so Dragon Age Two. Dragon Age Two. We're coming into that. <sighs> um, so your favorite characters. Who did you romance? Who was in your party? Oh, Dragon Age Two. I okay. Uh, Anders is a mage. He used to be uh, one of the Great Wardens. He pieced out of that. Yeah, um, he was he was in my party as well. He was in, yeah. Uh, he, I kept him in my party almost the entire time, and Anders uh, was the character I romanced as yeah. well. Yeah, so he's Alistair Light uh, until he changes. Sort of. He's oh. like angsty. He's angstier. He's big time angsty. In Awakening, which is kind of 1.5, um, Alistair's a little more fun and has a little more character. And Anders? Then, Anders, yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Anders, and then... By two, he's in a dark place. Yeah, he's having a grumpy time. Um, it it was interesting because like I romance standards as I just mentioned, and like what actually happened was I was kind of uh being an ethical slut um in game two, and I was bouncing around a lot. I was uh, romancing a bunch of different characters. Darn right. Um, yeah, because there's some good sexy characters. Um, and then at one point, Anders, who's uh, a mage and is like often fighting the Templars and f- fighting for mages' rights, yeah, came he's an to apostate me, as well. Yeah, came to me in my home and said, "The Templars are coming for me." And I had been kind of romancing him up to this point. The Templars are coming for me. Can I stay with you so I'm safe? And I and <laughs> I, I answered I know, this, I know what this is. I answered yes. <laughs> because what kind of asshole would I be if I said no? And then immediately after the immediately after he moves into my house and we are now monogamous. <laughs> At which point I was like, "Hey, wait a minute. This felt like a little bit I of a was trick." Just trying to save you from being murdered. He, he U-hauled me, stuff. <laughs> I got U-hauled. And then suddenly I'm living with this guy. And as much like I was like, okay, well, I, I guess I'm going to lean into this. He was one of the people I was considering romancing in the long run anyway. But like, ugh, bye, Isabella. You were also great. Um, but yeah, then I ended up with him permanently. This happened like, to me in, okay. in Inquisition too, where it's just like I didn't realize I was romancing someone. And then they're like, we're in love. I'm like, I'm sorry. 
when did this happen? When did you decide, Blackwall, that we are in a relationship? Oh, Blackwall? I know, okay, it was we'll weird. We'll okay. get to that. Okay, we're still on two. So uh, yeah, that's so Anders. Who Anders. else is in your party? Uh, Isabella. Isabella's a, a sexy little pirate lady. I love her. Uh, she's from Ravain. Um, and basically, her whole deal in this is she's just like your saucy little uh, badass chick. Yeah, she's a saucy badass pirate. Uh, I what, what more do you need? Uh, well, and also, she plays a huge part in the plot of this the second one because uh, sure but she's also like cool and hot she, she's super cool and hot um no that, that's all i need to say about isabella she's great and then who i romanced was fenris oh you romanced the character that like was lifted in my opinion directly out of final fantasy this boy listens to my chemical romance he he is just the angstiest uh, used to be a slave in the Tevinter Imperium. His magister overlords uh, put lyrium, which is the thing that gives mages their power, uh, put it into his veins and tattooed it all over him. And Fenris, I will say, if you're playing this and you don't do his character quests, you probably will think, whatever, This, who cares about this character? Yeah, without context, he's basically like a simple plan song cursed to live in an elf's body. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah? Yes. Did I nail it? Absolutely. Okay, great. Uh, but when you get to know him better, like, he's got a very compelling character story and, um, yeah, essentially was a slave who ran away yeah. to try to live his life. And so it makes a lot of sense why he does not think highly of mages. Yeah, Because absolutely. they enslaved and tormented him. Yeah, so then he becomes, I would say, like... Uh, a Radiohead song trapped in an album. <laughs> uh, accepted and also into it. Great. So uh, there's some other characters. There's the head of the guards, Aveline. There's a Varric. Varric's a huge important a very, character very in this important series question. as well. I mean, um, character. Yeah. So he is a he is a dwarf. He's Bard. one of the only dwarves that doesn't have a beard. Ooh, because he is a bad boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Varric is... The the setup for the second game is you meet this character, Cassandra, and she is um, she's essentially questioning Varric to find out more information about uh, the hero of Kirkwall, which your is character. your character. She comes in at the end, and he's essentially narrating what has happened to this character. So he is a very important voice of the overall story. From two and an Inquisition, he also reappears. Um, but he's also, he's one of your rogues. He's a fun time guy. His brother yeah. shows up. Uh, you get to know some of his story. Yeah, he was in my party pretty much the entire time as well. Yeah. Because like, A, he's uh, got a crossbow. Who doesn't love that? Named Bianca. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's good good for some like distance damage. But also he's just very charming. And one of the fun things about this is it's not just that you're spending time with these individual characters. They also banter with each other. Oh, um, so when you so get good, good like... It's fun to try out different combinations because you hear their barks as you're going along yeah. and you hear them converse and like have arguments and stuff and it's it's really fun. So Varric was a very fun character to keep in the party in my opinion yeah. because he was always sassing the other characters. Absolutely. Um and then there's there's an, a mage elf named Meryl <laughs> <laughs> how I feel about her. Um, and yeah. then, yeah, a couple are Sebastian, Bethany Carver. Um, yeah, this means nothing to you. That means nothing. Um, I just want to name them in, in case you like Dragon Age and you're like, but Sebastian's my favorite. Yeah. Name and now him. we've said the name. There you go. We did that for you. <laughs> wow. That's so satisfying for you, I'm sure. Um, Inquisition. Inquisition, which Ooh. is, which is uh, probably the best known of the Dragon Age games, I would say, because it came out the most recently. It's it won sort of, Game of the Year. It won the very first Game of the Year award, yep. I recently learned, uh, back in 2014. Yeah. Um, and it is sort of, as scale goes, as technology goes, as like more recent games go, uh, a very impressive game even now. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like... 
it feels very Skyrim-esque. It came out after Skyrim, so it yeah. has a lot of the elements of that world and that sort of open world gameplay. Yeah, really built on that. Yeah. So, and in that game, you are uh, a character, you're, and you have sort of your Inquisition inside troop who kind of help you run the Inquisition. So that's Cassandra Pentagast, who you may have just heard me talk about for Dragon Age 2. She's the one uh, doing the the questioning of Varric because essentially the the give of that is she's doing that so she can try to eventually form this Inquisition and find out what has happened to the world state. Um, she is the right hand of the divine who's like the religious leader. Um, she's part of a, a royal family. She loves romance novels, which yeah. is a fun character. So thing. Cassandra was in my party for yeah. pretty much the entire yeah. time. Uh, partially because I like to play rogues. Um, they're just like my favorite class generally. They're, they're my favorite play style. So you got to get um, your warriors in there. Yeah, exactly. So like part of it also is, if, and if you're a D&D person, you'll understand this. You want to balance out your party because yep. like, if it's, I, like if it's a bunch of rogues, I guess you'll be fine. But like mostly you want someone up front taking damage. You want someone in the distance doing some magey stuff. You're um, so I often always had at least two warriors to kind of keep the heat off me. Uh, so Cassandra was always one of mine. Yeah, we got um, Cullen, who's not a playable character. You cannot put Cullen in your party, but he's your military leader. Yeah, of I was part of the that. Okay, well, we'll talk about... He's who I romanced. Uh, he is the military leader. He used to be a Templar. Uh, he's addicted to lyrium uh, because in order to become a Templar, you have to... Uh, be able to handle lyrium. It's your way of dealing with the mages, and it's very addictive, and it can make you go a little bonzo gonzo. Yeah, he's more of an Imagine Dragons song in a human body, I'd say. But I love Imagine Dragons. Yeah, and that's why that works for you. <laughs> um, absolutely. And then, surprise, surprise, as I mentioned, Leliana comes back, and she's your spy master yeah. for this Inquisition. She's, I, I like her a lot better in the Inquisition. Yes, they really, she went through some stuff over the years, and now she's a much less flippant character. She's not as, like, bubbly as she was in the first one. And you really get a sense of this is a, a very intelligent, crafting character. Yeah, I didn't even find her bubbly in the first one. I just kind of found her a little, a little like, reedy, just weedy. Like, I don't know. That's the word that comes to mind. Just like, Neh. That's the sound I'd make. Neh. Yeah. That's, that's, it. but in Inquisition, she's, like, she's, she's very, badass. very, very tactical. And I really yes. like that. It's, it's a, it's a cool change for her character. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of sort of interesting characters in this. I also really like Josephine, who's the, um, who's kind of your diplomatic advisor, yeah. I would say. Um, and she's very fun. She's a, a character that I don't think I've seen in the other games where she's, like, also very political, but in, like, kind of a... Like, she's a political Disney princess. <laughs> Absolutely. She uses politics in a very, uh, she understands the charm and craft of social interaction yeah. in a way that you don't get to see in a lot of games, which is very fun. She's, I almost romanced her. She apparently has a really lovely romance plot yeah. line. Like, I tried to, and then I think I missed a couple, like I missed a step here or there or whatever, and then I yeah. ended up having to bail. It's apparently a really cute uh, story. So I've heard, her. so I've heard. Uh, Eric's back. He's Yay. back with his beau, um, yeah, he's still a storyteller, uh, and he writes a bunch of smut novels, which is kind of fun. Yeah, that's a fun element. I didn't find him as compelling in this game. No. Um, but it was nice to have him there. He usually wasn't in my party. Yeah, he's usually hanging out by the fireplace telling me some fun stories, and then I ignore him for the rest of it. Yeah, 100%. Uh, um, there's some other characters. My personal favorite characters that were, like, as soon as I got them constantly in my party are Dorian, who's a, a mage that's been sort of expelled from the Tevinter Imperium of mages uh, because he's gay. Um, surprise, and you can't surprise. romance him if you do not play a male character, that which is, is something very interesting in this world because uh, Dragon Age tries to be very inclusive and most characters you can romance. They don't have a lot of hard set 
uh, sexual orientations. In this game, you do get that. I would counterpoint that. There are actually hard set uh, orientations, but only for straight characters. Yes. You cannot romance Alistair if you are another man. Yeah, he won't do it. So I, I counterpoint, uh, this is the first time that they just expand those yes. uh, those restrictions. I guess yeah. what I meant to say is in other games, you are able to have queer relationships. Yes, that's um, true. But you can't have queer relationships with everybody. No. And so in this one, you can't have straight relationships with everybody either. I know. It's which very is, Which is cool. It's fun. good representation. The Like this particular, I think Bioware is very good at kind of like keeping in mind how can we be as inclusive as possible. And they're yeah. getting better over the years as they do it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Dorian's great. Iron Bull is great. He's a Kunari, yes. which we haven't talked about at all yet. So we've talked about elves, mages. Uh, elves and mages are not equivalent. Elves, elves and dwarves and humans. Carpenters. <laughs> but there's another race called the Kunari. And what the Kunari are is they're a warrior race. Um, kind of Klingon-esque, I would say, yeah, in terms of their like, fantasy version. honor. And they have very strict roles that everyone plays. So you are a warrior in that civilization. You are... Um, there, I can't think of any. I of them believe right now. at birth you're assigned with a role in society. It could be a warrior, it could be a fucking cook, it could be yeah. a, it could be all sorts of things, and you do that till you die. That's yeah. just the way. That's just it your works. role. That's where you were born into, and if you don't like it, that's fine. Sucks to be sort you. of. Uh, you're kicked out. Yeah. And Iron Bull uh, is that. He's a mercenary. He has a, a group called the Storm Chargers, and he left. Uh, the Kun, which is what the Kunari sort of religion slash social structure is. Um, and he, he also has, this is also a cool thing about Iron Bull, um, his right-hand person uh, is actually a trans character. Yeah, uh, Named Krem. It's a trans man. Make Krem a playable character. We want it. We need it. This is this is my personal hill that I am going to die on, is I love Krem. He's not a playable character. I want him to be so very badly. I Make mean, him my companion. There's another one like that, uh, Scout Harding, which is not a playable character, but you kind of, every time you go to a new area, Scout Harding is there to kind of tell you the lay of the land and what the deal is, and she's a little cutie. Yeah, I tried to romance her too. You, I think you can romance her, but it's a very hard I, my I understanding. mean, it could fool me. I failed. So. Uh, yeah, so romance, the way you romance characters, I should say. Um, okay, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Yeah. Uh, three other characters that I want to touch on. Sarah, uh, who is a rogue. She a lesbian. Uh, she's a member of the Friends of Red Jenny. And basically, they're kind of a Robin Hoodie thing. They hate the political elite. They hate the, the hierarchical structure of society where the rich get richer and the poor just uh, have to They don't have feature much life. in this game, to be honest with you. The poor? <laughs> no, the friends of Fred Jenny. Oh, yeah, the friends of Fred Jenny. They're you mostly like, codexy. Yeah, you things. like pick up their equipment, and you're like, dope, I guess. Yeah, uh, and then we have Cole, who's a spirit rogue, which is fascinating. I, I didn't guess. play much with him, and I, I didn't really go into his backstory because I, I think was, you'll find he has a very big hat. A very big hat. So that's notable. Uh, and then Solus, who is a mage. He's an elven apostate. Um, he believes in elf supremacy, I believe, is the deal. Uh, and he's an expert on the Fade. The Fade is uh, the whole thing. Yeah, okay, so... Frig. <laughs> it's a big world, it's is what we're world. trying to say. And so who did you romance in the I list? romanced Cullen. Um, I love trying to fix a guy. Oh, you love your sad boys. I love my sad boys, Should especially in Dragon. No! <laughs> um, yeah, so I romanced uh, Cullen. We ended up with a lovely life together. We had a dog. It was nice. Oh, dog! I helped him through his tough moments of lyrium addiction. Steph, do you like this series because it features dogs? You can pet the dog. You can befriend the dog. Um, the Mabari are, are badasses. They're, they're dogs, but they're warriors. They're um, war dogs. They're war dogs. They're very cool. Okay. 
Um, and yeah, in all these, you can romance and smooch, and I love that part. You can like romance people by giving them gifts and doing their storylines, and it's see. My lovely. favorite part in my game was that I romanced Cassandra, who is has a lovely little romance. Won't ruin it for you, but let me just say she is a softy. Uh, highly recommend her romance. It's very cute and funny. Uh, so I ran, romanced her, and then because I also consistently had Iron Bull and um, Dorian in my party, and you played a male character, and you I can't romance yes. Cassandra as a female. That is correct. Um, and so I also often had Dorian and Iron Bull and if you uh, keep them together in the party a lot and you um, don't romance either and you them. don't romance either of them they will uh, start romancing each other um, so, so like late game it was me Cassandra and another couple <laughs> so <laughs> double just, date for dragons yeah truly truly we were just running around the world on the longest double I date possible um, and it was so funny of us all like bickering about our various relationships and like it was I thoroughly enjoyed how I somehow managed to turn Dragon Age into like a kind of sex in the city. It was great. <laughs> uh, um, uh, so yeah, you can, I mean like the wild thing about this game is that's how we played it, but like you could pick completely different characters in every run and have uh, like vaguely different experience, have, have different banter in the background, have different politics, yep. you know, different ideas about all of this stuff, which kind of brings me to what I think is interesting about this, which is like, the decision-making. Yes. Were there decisions that you came to in any of these games that were really difficult? Were there, like, places where you thought that was really interesting? I mean, the lands meet in Dragon Age Origins is the biggest one. That's the, the point that I saved, and then if I didn't like the direction it went, I was like, peace out on this ending. I'm trying again. Um, that is such a crucial point of Origins um, that can impact. There's also... Uh, I, it's hard to talk about them without huge spoilers, which we'll save the bigger spoilers for the hot takes. Yeah, section. Yeah, and we should get into that in a second. Um, but yeah, I, I just... Oh, God. There's so many big decision points, and I love that they end up impacting them. And if you don't want to play the first two games, you don't have to. There's this thing that they developed for Inquisition uh, called Dragon Age Keep, and essentially it presents you with all the big decision forks of the entire game, and you can just answer them there and then import that world into Inquisition. So you can, you don't have to play for the first two games to get that world state that you want to play in yeah. Inquisition. Yeah. But you can import all of your stuff. You can import all your stuff. So maybe it's time to just get a, get to our hot takes. All right. Yeah? Well, I want to talk about the nerdiest thing I've done in relation to this fandom. Oh, of course you do. Um, because that's very important to me. Um, for this fandom, I have cosplayed as Fenris to go to conventions. It was very fun. Uh, I threw a Dragon Age-themed birthday party for myself where I turned my apartment into various things of Dragon Age. I built a fade rift in the corner that had lights behind it. None of my friends know anything about Dragon Age, though. So I invited them all to this Dragon Age party that only meant anything to me. They were all very polite about it. And just like, I had themed snacks. I had maps everywhere. Which is why we still have that's those, why that, those yeah. little flags. That's where that banner came from, yeah. is I put that up for that party, and I refused to take it down. Um, but those are my two nerdiest things about this franchise. Excellent. Um, I think mine are uh, playing through the games. <laughs> I think that's... I really enjoy the games. I think they're really fabulous. I think I had a grand old time. Um, but yeah, that's that's as far as I've gone. So far. That's so fair. far. So far. The story is so far. There's a fourth game that's about to... That just got announced that's this true. week. That's true. You've already huge. warned me that the day it comes out, I won't see you for a solid two oh, weeks. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing, the nerdiest thing I did. I took a week off work when Inquisition came out uh, so that I could play it uninterrupted. Um, and I will do it again. That's just called a staycation, Steph. Yeah, man. I know what I want. I know what makes me happy. It's All Dragon right. Age. 
Perfect. Um, all right. So uh, before we get into our hot takes, this episode is brought to you by tpublic.com, where you are about to find your next favorite T-shirt or bag or or all sorts of things, mugs, phone um, cases. Oh my God, it's the best. Um, T Public has unique and nerdy designs available on all of the things we mentioned, plus tank tops, hoodies, um, stickers. Phone cases, like Steph says, you can kind of find a, d- a design you love and get it pretty much on anything. And you can customize the size of that thing, color, the fabric if it's a piece of clothing. Um, it, it's it's so unique and it, it means that like if you see a design you love but you don't love the color it's on, you can change that. It's entirely up to you. So you can be wearing the perfect t-shirt that you want. Absolutely. Uh, and we uh, have a T-Public store, which is super fun. And in it, we put shirts from various uh, episode topics that we do. So, uh, and some other ones like there's some our flag means death shirts in there. One that says just Team Edward, and it's got Blackbeard on it. It's very good, very cute. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Um, yeah, all designs are made by indie artists as well, who are getting a fair commission for their work. So when you buy a shirt from them. Not only are you supporting an indie artist, but you're also helping to directly support this podcast. So head on over. We have our own store that I mentioned, tpublic.thefandomshow.com. Check out our merch. Uh, You can get our faces on a little mug. We drink from it all the time. It's really cute. Um, And that's tpublic.thefandomshow.com. And thank you so much, TeePublic, for your support uh, and helping to make this happen. All right. Let's jump into these hot takes. All right. So number one. Uh, this is from Danny White, one of our patrons. Thank you, Danny. And this is going to be spoilery. <laughs> uh, Dragon Age 2 gets a lot of reasonable flack for the graphical quality, small areas, and reusing environments, but almost everything else is very good. With a little more time and money, it could have been an excellent game. The combat was definitely aimed towards being more console-friendly and felt more streamlined and responsive as a result. The story, whilst lacking polish, had a really great concept that focusing on Hawk and the city of Kirkwall over a decade. There have been various different takes on this front, including some from our Discord and Thank you very much, guys, for that. That Dragon Age 2 is better than it's been given credit for. Here's the thing. Steph, you're making a lot of groany noises. Here's the thing. I can see why you feel that way. I can understand how you could get to this. I disagree so deeply on this in that in Dragon Age Origins, you start in this big, full world. You get to travel all over the place. You get to meet different people Um, You get to see different lands, and then they bring you to Dragon Age 2 where, guess what? You just are in one city. So they take it from this big, beautiful world and compact it into this tiny political issue. It's like, you can't see, but I'm making growly faces. Uh, I think you can hear it. (laughs) I just, I struggle with, if they had put this story before Origins, um, then it felt like the world would have scaled in a way that felt natural, like you start small and you get bigger and the world expands as you work through it. But instead, they just kind of trap you in. You feel almost caged off. Um, the, it is very well spoken about, probably way more eloquently than I will speak about it. This game was rushed. It is very obvious this game was rushed. And they reuse different parts of the map. Yeah. And just like at a door. And but you know, that's acknowledged. That's acknowledged. Uh, and thank you for acknowledging that. It but only took, I think they only had about 14 or 16 months to create this game, which on a game level, when you're used to waiting like years and years, is wild. Um, if you are listening to this and you worked on Dragon Age, I'm so sorry, but I don't care. Um, if, <laughs> oh my God. No, but what, <laughs> what I mean by that is if you are going to take the time and energy to create this world and create this lore and create this in-depth story... That needs to permeate throughout 
your game and to to cut back on that. So that's the studio's fault, not the creators. They work for the same place. They're the that's. I mean, like yes, I mm. guess, but the but for me anyway, because I disagree with you. Yeah, Um, that's why this is a hot take. I thought the game was fun. I thought the the like the combat was so much better in the second. game. I agree on that. The combat was a lot better. So much more fluid. So much more interesting. I didn't mind having a character who wasn't me, and I think that's probably not a not a that is not the part favor for you. I didn't mind the fact that it was a city. Like, I, I think the idea of expansiveness, kind of, like, you do run through the same neighborhoods a lot. I'll give you that. Um, but I, it, didn't, it didn't feel bad to me because the politics of the city were so interesting. And to me, what I like about Dragon Age is the politics. Yeah. So getting to get, like, more granular on the, like, Templars and Chantry uh, versus the mages, all that stuff. Like, to me, that felt fun and sometimes I would argue that the scale of things can make it hard to get depth on stuff. Which I totally see that. I just personally it felt limiting especially as um, by that point I had I'd been waiting a long time for the game to come out and I was super excited to see what they were going to do with it and it felt just like they shrunk everything that I was really excited about. It has some beautiful moments in it. I think the companion characters are really fun but also the mechanic like in the first game if you want to talk to your companions, you have like a camp where you can go just see all of them. They're all kind of compact. In this game, you have to run around that entire damn city to find Fenris. And then you have to run to the whole other end of the city to talk to Meryl. That's true. And that's really frustrating, especially if you love, in the same way that I love, the companions and their interactions with you and that relationship development becomes a lot clunkier and a lot harder to get into those relationships. Yeah, I will say I like a lot of the characters better in the second one. Um, and I find the not fact you, that... Meryl. <laughs> not you, Meryl. Not you, Meryl. But I do find the, the idea that you get to interact more with the Kunari too. I love the Kunari as like a concept, as a like uh, as a culture, and so much so that I kind of based my current D&D character off the Kunari. That is true. Um, Even the names like, are very similar to like the different um, like culture aspects. There's a lot of apostrophes. Anyway, the point is that <laughs> I, I find that stuff all really interesting. So I think I really liked the depth of it. I agree that, that there are things that are sloppy about it. No question yeah. about that. But I do also want to give them credit that given how fast they had to make this game. Why did they, they have still, to make it so fast, though? Uh, probably money. Always nah, money. Nah, nah, Answer nah, is nah, money. Nah. Um, but uh, given that they did have to make it so fast, the fact that they could produce a story that did have so much, like, so many dynamics to it, to me is very impressive. Would you rank it above Dragon Age Inquisition, though? Uh, no. I might, depending on the aspect, mm. companion-wise, I would rank it above Origins. <gasps> I think Alistair and Morrigan are really great from Origins. Ah, I could take or leave the rest of them. Zevern? Uh, Zevern's really good. Shale? Um, Shale, yeah. Like, they're good, but Isabella's such a fun character. Varric is such a fun character. They're, yeah, the characters you know? themselves are much more dynamic yeah, and, I, and I, fascinating. I think way. I had more of a love for some of the second second characters, even though obviously there are some very iconic Origins characters and no, no shade on that at all. I love Origins as well. Um, I just thought they started to get better at it in the second. Yes, and that makes sense. Uh, anytime you're trying to get more into a world, you're going to start to understand um, the things that people like about it. Yeah, totally. Um, right. Okay, number two. I love the deep roads, but fuck the fade. That's from Taylor Caldy. 
Agreed, half agree. Eh, strongly agreed, yeah. Uh, I mean, I got tired of the deep roads for a while, but that's mostly because when playing video games, I have trouble navigating spaces that look very similar, so I yeah. got lost in the deep roads a lot. So the deep roads basically um, are uh, the dwarves uh, <laughs> dug too greedily and too deep, um, and they this, typical fucking this entire deep roads is the cavern system under the world, uh, where a lot of the the big baddies of the world uh, permeate out from. And you, as a gray warden, you're trying to like shut it down, and so you go down into there. And the fade is sort of the mage slash dream world, which is so frustrating to play. In the same way that you mentioned, um, the deep roads is very similar looking, and so it gets hard to navigate. The fade is that on speed like oh, it's so yeah. hard to navigate particularly and, the first game the fate is like fucking so annoying and you get stuck in these little quests in there that are impossible to figure out and so frustrating and it just it's not fun i don't find it fun i agree but counterpoint inquisition the fade was cool because then they kind of did a like uh weird dream space thing that it's i very found stranger things if, like of, not, re- of the recent season of the no recent spoilers. season no spoilers but, but yes. it's got some elements where i'm like god damn it you brought me to the fade i hate the fade yeah but i think i think i came to hate the fade because of the first game but if i had been introduced to the fade in the third game i would be like dope love the fade yeah i just think it's it's a slog it's like it's fighting slog. through yeah. quicksand it sucks it feels like i definitely remember turning to you and being like will it be like this forever yes <laughs> the answer is like, yes well you'll hate it forever You're that's here for sure for the rest of your life all right what else do we got all right. Um, oh, I like this one. Uh, oh. I, I don't like Sandal or the meme that accompanies him. His voice is irritating, and I take off my earphones whenever I have to talk to him in Dragon Age Origins. Enchantment? Enchantment? How about shut the hell up and put this rune on a sword and leave me alone? Okay. Sandal is a character that you encounter in the first game. He's traveling with his dad, and he uh, has a special talent with runestones. He... Um, I, I would definitely say he's likely on the spectrum, uh, this character, the way that they mm-hmm. have uh, created him. Uh, and he just goes around saying enchantment. And I forgot to write down who said this, but I disagree. Every time I see Sandal, I get so excited to see him. I, I even, I was in Scotland in Edinburgh years ago, and there was a store called Enchantment, and I took a picture of it because I was just so happy to think about Sandal and his beautiful creations. Um, I just think it's fun sometimes to put in a character that has a little bit of a lighthearted edge to it. And like at one point in, I think it's Inquisition, you're walking through the deep roads. It's dark. It's scary. You come into a room filled with dead bodies and Sandal's just standing in the middle covered in blood and just like enchantment. You're like, what? Who are you? What is your story? How did you kill all these guys? Why are you here? Oh. Sandal's phenomenal. Do you have any feelings about Sandal? Yeah, he's cute. Next one. Uh, I, uh, okay, let's see. Um, Dragon Age Inquisition um, is my least favorite Dragon Age game. I still like this game very much, but it's my least favorite of them because the open world takes so much time and I'm just not a fan of open world games. I think the areas are too large and at times it's really annoying. Now I will say I kind of agree with this only because sometimes I like short games because my attention span is limited. Limited from years of not exercising it. Um, <laughs> so there are parts of Dragon Age where it feels somewhat bloated um, if you're not 
like clicking with all of the stuff you can do. You can do so much stuff in that game. You can collect shards. You can find different like little outposts. You can like, oh, there's a million. Mosaic tiles, gears. The you want to look for gears for two days? Go for the it. The collectibles alone in mm -hmm. that game are wild. So like there is sometimes too much. And I think depends on your play style. If you just want to range around, great. But if you don't like open worlds, it's going to feel exhausting in places, like especially the hinterlands, which are, which is the first place you show up in Inquisition and is fucking huge. And it takes a long time. I would say I can understand this feeling and I think it could have been solved a bit for me if the hinterlands was shortened in order to expand other parts. Right, especially because it's the first area you're in. It's the first area you're in, but you spend like 15, 20 hours in just this world. Oh and that I didn't super love because it is mostly fetch quests. Yeah. But also in that area, you have, uh, you know, you're helping a Druffalo walk across a plane. Um, but then you walk by a fade rift that's like the hardest possible level bad guys. So if you accidentally go slightly too far to the left, you just get murdered. Yeah. Um, so it, some parts of the hinterlands are not necessarily places you should access yet. Yeah. But it doesn't. The game doesn't do a great job of guiding you in that way, and you kind of only find out when a dragon murders. Yeah, you. I agree. And actually, like on the subject of dragons, I. Um, managed somehow, and I don't know how I did this, I managed to not find a single fucking dragon <laughs> until I was three quarters of the way through the game. And then I went, holy shit, there are dragons in Dragon Age. <laughs> and then I had to go backwards and go find all the dragons that I had somehow managed to miss. The first, I mean, it felt cool because the first dragon I was like, <laughs> I basically kicked your it's ass. It's that Hinterlands one, right? Yeah, it's the Hinterlands one, yeah. yeah. And like, I didn't realize that you fought those. <laughs> <laughs> Which I realize, in retrospect, is fucking dumb. A but game named Dragon Age that oh. doesn't predominantly feature dragons. Like, they're there. To be fair, the first two games, you don't fight a lot of dragons. Yeah, you, fight, you, you fight some dragons. And the archdemon looks like a dragon. Yeah, so I sure. guess that's kind of the, the conceit there. Anyway, it was fun to discover that there are all these dragons and I could suddenly kick all of their asses because I was too high a level. Um, but it, it does, I think, speak to how meandering some of the actual quests can be. Absolutely. And I think the war table um, mechanic, which is what they create to kind of help you navigate how fucking enormous this game is, yeah. is they'll give you like sort of a war room with a map where you can choose your quest that way. And I thought that mechanically was really, really well done yeah. and a really good way to control the sheer volume of quests. And some of them you can't access, like you have to kind of get PowerPoints. I forget what they're actually yeah. called. There might be PowerPoints. Because um, then you can only access like main story level areas yeah. by accumulating enough PowerPoints but, so that you're kind of at the appropriate level. Yeah, for but that can also be really tricky and like I... Uh, some I know some people who got stuck with that because they didn't have enough PowerPoints to move the story forward. Which that's, that sucks. Right, because then if you don't want to do all the fetch quests and shit, then you end up having to do them so you can move your story forward. Yeah. So, like, I think they were extremely ambitious. There are places where that doesn't work, um, but it all depends on what you want from a yeah. game. I will say, just touching on the dragons real quickly again, there's a character in your party, Iron Bull. His whole deal is he wants to fight dragons. And I was like, cool, I want to help you reach your goal and live your best life. So I would take him on all my dragon fights and he'd die immediately because it turns out he's the worst warrior tank against dragons. He can't fight them. He gets killed so easily. Like, if you get a Blackwall or a Cassandra, they're actually quite effective against the dragon. That's true. But if you're trying to complete his character uh, arc, he's the worst one for dragons. Why would you do that to me? Don't tell me he wants to fight dragons and then make him the worst dragon fighter. 
Okay, we can maybe do two more of these. Oh, but boy. Like, so I'm going to... Do, do you want to pick you one? No, you please pick. Okay, I was going to say... I could do this for days. Um, the elves are overrated, especially Dalish elves. Mages are overrated. Yeah, I understand their struggles, but I get tired of seeing um, all, of, all of them all over the place. Um, I personally disagree with this um, because... I think the politics of the game are the fun part. Like the notion of like, I get tired of these oppressed peoples. Like I know that's not, I, I know that's not really what you're saying, but that's like, I, I know, I, and I don't want to be, you know, bad faith about it. I know that's not what you're saying, yeah. but to me, that is the compelling part of the game. It's compelling to watch like these elves who are so often in other series, not treated this way uh, to, to watch this different context change. You know, it's compelling to me to have the conversation of, uh, should mages have the power they have? Is the Templar, are the Templars correct in trying to restrain them? But I like, think that's, that's a different conversation than the elves conversation. I think that's I mean, mages, Templars. You said mages are overrated. Oh, too. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great. Um, I think, I think in this it's more, uh, and there's a second part to this. I just find I'm a mage and you're a Templar, but do you still love me to be incredibly cliche or I'm an elf and everyone hates elves, but actually I'm really beautiful and special. Got it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's just, that wasn't my take. I played an elf almost every game I could. Yeah. Um, because I found that, I found it compelling to move through the world in such a way where I got to see the politics in action all of the time. And if you play an elf, you are discriminated against yeah, regularly. You uh, have trouble navigating certain political relationships yeah. um, because you're an elf and people are like, well, screw you. And I, I, I wanted to see that element of the game because the politics are what's interesting to me. Um, whereas if I just walk through the world with as much privilege as I can get, that's less story for me. Yeah. So it's not even about the oppressed thing. It's about I want to see the story in action. Yeah, I think I can see where this person's coming from and also that it spends a lot of time talking about about the Dalish culture and the the background and what they used to be and what um, I I can understand why that would be uh, a little more frustrating if that's not what's what's tickling your fancy. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, uh, I personally love to hear more about the city elves and how like these peoples were brought into cities yeah. and then forced to live in the ghettos of the cities. That's where I started enslaved, in like, Dragon Age. Maybe that's why I have uh, an affinity for them yeah. too is because I was like, whoa, this is interesting. This is an interesting take on this. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. But when you get into like Solus and his whole ideas on the elves and what they're holding, like I, I can fully understand why if that hasn't piqued your interest – You'd be like, this whole game is about these friggin' elves. Yeah, I that's, don't care. That's super fair. I, I I think I'm definitely biased on that. And I know you care about oppressed people. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to imply that. Um, but to me, it's the most compelling part of the game. Yeah. All right. This is one that I'm going to put in. This is big fatty spoiler for Inquisition. Fun. Um, making me choose between my love, Alistair, and myself, Hawk, was cruel. And how dare you do this to me, Bioware. That comes from our listener, Steph Malik. <laughs> You chose your own hot I take. did, because I think this is a really important part of the game. So essentially, you're in the Fade, um, you're trying to deal with uh, a big quest, and you've got King Alistair is coming in, or Grey Warden Alistair. I think it's, he's a Grey Warden at this point, if you didn't put him in your as the king. Uh, so you get to bring him on this quest with you, which I'm sure you can uh, figure out. I was so excited to have Alistair back in my party. So that was a beautiful moment. But you also have Hawk, who you play in the second game in that party. And essentially, at the end of this quest, in order to get out of the fade, you have to sacrifice Hawk, who is you, or Alistair. 
And Who did you sacrifice, Steph? The, I didn't even think about it for a split second. Hawk, Hawk was dead. Hawk for sure. Hawk, Hawk died sure. immediately. I, I don't know. Like, to me, it's a big decision, kind of. But, like, I'd much rather sacrifice the character I played than the character I enjoyed. But a lot of people love Hawk. Hawk is a very beloved character and a very beloved protagonist. And people feel really strongly about Hawk. Interesting. Uh, and if you didn't make Alistair a Grey Warden at the end of Origins, then the person that comes with you is another Grey Warden named Stroud. Who cares? This guy, <laughs> like, I, I can understand that that's your setup. You're like, great, Hawk lives. F this newbie. Sure, yeah. But making me choose between the love of my first character's life and myself was a moment. And I spoke to friends about this, and they screaming at the television. Like, this, that was a cold move, Bioware. And, I love it. But I also hope you do more things like that in the future games, because it's so compelling and exciting. I do really like that there are parts in the games where you're like, no, what do I do? And you have to make a fast call, and the answer isn't super clear. This is something that Bio Bioware has generally done really well. We'll have a Mass Effect episode where we can get into that more, because I know some people might disagree. But I would I would say that like making difficult decisions is something that Bioware at least should for and I really admire that. Absolutely, they don't shy away from it, and I think that's so fun and so compelling uh, to be confronted with those decisions that will alter the world. Okay, last question before we go anywhere. Yo, mages or templars? I mean, it's mages. It's very clearly mages. I agree. Templars are the like the templars of our world. It's like the T religious soldiers. Are the cops. Yeah, they're the cops. They're there to oppress the people. <laughs> Um, sure, some of them are probably good and mean well, but that doesn't matter. Oh, absolutely. Uh, like some of them are there for the right reasons, but this this hardly seems like the, the discussion we're having. Yeah, these guys go and their whole job is to keep mages under their thumb to make sure that they don't misbehave. Um, and I'm going to put this out there. If you're listening to this and you've played Dragon Age, if you sided with the Templars, I would love to know why. I don't mean that facetiously. I mean that... Truly, I would love to know what made you decide to side with them. I mean, I do see some of the points there, and that's what another thing I like about this sort of theme that goes through all of the games is like I can understand because there are some shit ass mages out there. Absolutely, and the Defender Imperium is messed up. Like yeah. you do not want you, you don't want to be endorsing slavery, and like there is an argument that equates mages with that. Absolutely, but, and blood magic where you're using people's live blood to help yeah, uh, like, power up your not your great. Juice. Not great. It's not great. We don't love it. Yeah. So I do actually see the argument. I just like, I would al always kind of lean towards, but there are good mages and they don't deserve to be put under this scrutiny. Exactly. Um, but it's it continues to be such an ongoing and difficult, like, I mean, yeah, it's it, it's the Israel and Palestine of this world. Well, right? it's like, the beginning of Inquisition, which is essentially they're trying to broker a peace. Yep. And then a giant explosion happens and wipes out a bunch of them. And now the world is like, uh, shoot. Yeah. It's an interesting conversation. It's a conversation that I hope they don't start stop having, even though I yeah. do have my opinion on it. Yeah. Um, because I just think it's so good. Absolutely. I think it's so good. Absolutely. So good. All right. All right. We've reached the end of the hot takes. So at the end of every episode, we like to share our micro-fandoms of the week, which we'll do in just one uh, sweet little momie. Uh, but before we do, let's talk about, uh, if you're interested, how you can support this show. Uh, lots of free ways. This podcast will always be free. Uh, you're always going to be welcome to listen to it. But if you want to get more engaged, we love that. Uh, so you can reach out, follow us, or send us compliments at fandomshowpod. Um, we love talking to you. It's super fun. If you have ideas for future episodes, want to catch up on past episodes, or just want to say hi, we got a website, thefandomshow.com. 
Uh, please also tell your nerdiest friends and also not nerdy friends about us. And if you can get on your podcast provider of choice, though, ideally Apple podcasts, because they, they rule the podcast game a lot of the time, uh, do a little rate review and subscribe. Even a one sentence review can really help us out, uh, help us chart up, uh, get on the charts and means more people will get to find out about us. So, uh, Kaya, what's one word that you would put for Dragon Age? Oh man, dragons. (laughs) Greg, <laughs> man. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Three quarters of the way through the game, Steph. <laughs> anyway, if you would like to support us monetarily so we can keep being nerds in public, you can also find <laughs> us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the fandom show where you can throw some of your hard-earned gold our way. For a couple of bucks a month, you can listen to episodes early or get shout-outs or even submit hot takes for upcoming episodes, which you can always do anyway. Um, But do check us out um, on Patreon because we want to keep making this show for you. We love making this show for you and we want to gather as many fan fans as possible so we are heard everywhere. So, yeah, come help us out with that. And our theme song is by the wonderful Yusu Kim and our logo is by the charming and wonderful John Blair, whose fringe show you should see if you are in Toronto. Yeah, hopefully this comes out uh, before the Fringe, the Toronto Fringe. And it not might after. not. You check out John Blair. He's he rules. He has a lot of great YouTube content as well. Uh, so now we're going to go into our micro fandoms of the week. Kaya, what you into? Very good question, Steph. Thank you so much for asking. Um, I am right now watching Drag Race with you. Um, <gasps> we are watching Drag Race All Stars, uh, which is uh, a bunch of winners who have come back, and I am just obsessed with Jinx Monsoon. I think she is just so charming, so wonderful, and such a consummate pro that she's just so unshaken by the competition every time she she knows what she's good at, and there's not a like not a single doubt in her mind, and it's just so cool to see an artist having grown up into themselves so strongly that much like Bendelacram when Bendelacram came back for All Stars. She's just so fun to watch, and she always looks like she's enjoying herself. And I just love the work she's doing right now. Big, huge fan of Jinx Monsoon. Ah, love it. All right, what about you, Steph? Um, This is a little inside, um, but I am really loving... uh, We have a Discord channel as part of the From Superheroes Network Discord, and it's been delightful. Oh, my goodness. Everyone who has engaged with us there... It's been so fun to get to know you. The The conversations are spanning across so many different fandoms, very intelligent discussions about these different fandoms. And I'm finding I'm learning a lot, but I'm also getting exposed to things that I wouldn't necessarily find because we start talking on a topic and someone tosses in a link or is like, have you watched this video oh, and tags us? It's so much fun. And we it, got into a conversation about like translations within translations and Tolkien's work. Wow. Some, some fascinating facts. Yeah. There. So if you want to engage with us into some discussions, check that out. It's really, really fun. And it's really fun to get to engage with people in these sort of discourses and get to kind of continue some of what we're doing here, but with people who listen and who are also as nerdy as we are. We love you, fan fans. We love you, fan fans. So thank you so much to those who are engaging with us. And if uh, you want to, come on over. Um, yeah, that's that's it. Absolutely. Until next time, love the things you love and tell everyone about them. Bye. Bye. The Fandom Show is produced by Andrew Ivamy as part of the From Superheroes Network. For more great podcasts like this, as well as webcomics, articles, and so much more, visit FromSuperheroes.com.